Well, good morning, everyone. We are, we've spent a lot of time this summer talking about rhythms and talking about rhythms in our life and what they should look like, rhythms in the church and what should they look like. And we're, we're slowly coming into a close. Uh, I think we'll wrap this up next week. Um, but we started in June and we talked about our inner life. We talked about our walk with God. How do we know our walk uh, with Jesus is, is where it's supposed to be? And we, we introduced um, an acronym that we called MG3. Uh, the M was meet, and, and it was just a basic question. How are you meeting with Jesus daily? What are you doing every day to meet with Jesus? Be it prayer, be it Bible study, be it quiet time, be it silence. What are you doing daily to meet with Jesus? And then the first G was grow. How are you growing in community and in faith weekly? And, you know, we're not called to be stagnant. We're not called, you know, the Christian life isn't you say a prayer and you're done. The Christian life is, is actually a journey uh, as we move closer to Jesus, as we become more like Jesus. And, and to do that, we, we have to grow, we have to change. And we do that in community, um, and, and we do that in study as well. So what are you doing on a weekly basis to, to build, to grow in the community of faith that you're a part of, and to grow in your faith? And then uh, the second G was give. How are you giving to the community, to community we, uh, monthly? You know, we're not just called to take, to take, to take, but we're called to give back. And, and giving back uh, usually is how do we serve? How do we serve each other? How do we serve our community? How do we serve with our time? How do we serve with our talents? How do we serve with our treasures? And we look at that on a monthly basis. What are we doing this month to serve our community? And then the final piece for our inner life was the final G, which was go. Uh, as you go, that, that's a, all throughout the Bible, this, this idea of being sent. We are sent ones. We are to go and preach the good news. We are to go and make disciples. As you go, we asked, who are you blessing? Whom are you blessing? And that's what we moved into in July, that, that second acronym, which was BLESS. What is a missional life? What is a, a life on mission for Jesus look like? You know, we all, we all want to make a difference in the world. We all want to engage with people. We would love to see people come to Christ. We, we all have people that we want to see come to Christ. How does that look like in our lives when we're engaged in, in Jesus' mission? And so we started in uh, July with the first B. Begin with prayer. Pray for your, our neighbors. Pray for the ones around us. And then from there, we looked at the second, uh, or at the L, which was listen. We talk a lot. We like to talk a lot. We like to tell people how we're right and how they're wrong. But, but building a relationship, drawing someone to the Lord, it usually starts with listening. Listen to them. Uh, the first eat, or the E was eat, not eat them, but eat with them. Got to be careful on that one. Uh, there's something special about sharing a meal. There's something uh, intimate about sharing a meal. When we share a meal with someone, we, we grow closer into relationship with them. And then last week, we looked at the first S, which was serve. 
How am I serving my neighbor? How am I serving him? What am I doing to come alongside of them? What am I doing to bless them? Now, as we look at all of these things, they help us build relationships with our neighbors. They help us build trust with them. They help us build those relationships with the people around us. But we're not just called to build a relationship. And sometimes we get stuck there. Sometimes we get stuck with this idea like, look at all these friends that I have that may not be saved, and I'm building a relationship with them, and this is awesome, but we don't see them actually moving towards Jesus. They're moving closer to us, but they're not necessarily moving towards Jesus. So how does that happen? What do we do then? And that leads us to the final S. We're called to share our story with our neighbors. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter takes some time uh, to talk about what it looks like to be a blessing. If you have your Bible, uh, 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 8, Peter says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing." Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. This kind of underscores what we talked about last week about serving. You know, we talk about loving people and loving our neighbor, but we're supposed to love our enemy as well. And Peter's kind of reinforcing this, that we're supposed to act towards each other, even those that we don't necessarily agree with, with love. And as we do that, we are a blessing to them, and in turn, we receive blessings from the Lord for that. It's this, this, this relationship that just keeps on moving forward. As we bless others, we receive blessing back. Now Peter goes on and reads from Psalm 34 to kind of reinforce this. And then in verse 13, he says this, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We have been called to live differently. And this summer we've talked about what that would look like to look differently. If we have MG3 in our lives, uh, as we walk, and, and as we walk out those first steps of bless, uh, differences should come into our lives. As we move closer to Jesus, we become more like Him. And our lives begin to transform. As we bless our neighbors, they, they start to notice that. But that transformation isn't just supposed to stay within us. As we live out the steps of bless, that transformation will begin to affect the people around us. See, everything we've talked about this summer is very countercultural. Especially when we talk about blessing people. You know, our culture doesn't promote community anymore. It promotes independence. Our, our culture doesn't say, well, you know, what's the blessed, best thing that you can do to see your community thrive? Instead, what's the best thing that you can do for you to thrive? For you to grow? What do you need to do to get everything that you deserve? Everything that you earn? But when we talk about blessing people, we're not looking for what we can get out of it. Instead, we're pouring into other people's lives. 
as we pray for them, as we listen to them, as we eat with them, as we serve them. These are all countercultural ideas to the culture we currently live in. These are radical ideas. People just don't do this stuff anymore. But here you are. You're praying for your neighbor. You're listening to your neighbor. You're eating with your neighbor. You're serving with your neighbor. Your neighbors are going to notice that. They're going to see that. They're going to see you. Not only that, but you're taking time with your inner life. You're meeting with Jesus daily. You're growing in community and faith. You're giving uh, stuff away. Transformation begins to happen in you. And as you're building those tight relationships with your neighbors, they should notice that. They should see that in you. They should see the real you, and they should see that Jesus is beginning to transform you. And they're not going to know what to do with it. I was at a soccer field roughing last spring, and I've been involved with youth soccer for over a decade. And, and a lot of people I've known for 10, 12, 15 years. And, and I was minding my own business, getting my schedule to figure out which games I had to ref. And a woman that I know really, really well was going through some hard times, and she looked at me and she goes, Joe, she goes, I don't know how you do it. She goes, I know everything that you've been through. She goes, I just got one question for you. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? How do you get through this stuff? People recognize when you're walking a different walk. People see the hope that's inside of you. And Peter knows this. And he tells us we need to be prepared. People are going to want to know why. Why are you different? What causes you to live your life this way versus the way everybody else does it? What causes you to deal with life's issues so differently? Why do you have hope? I'm going to embarrass Shauna. This morning I was uh, talking to her uh, while she was greeting people and she looked at me and she goes, you know, my friends are like, you can miss church tomorrow. And she's like, no I can't. That's countercultural. People want to know why. Why? Why? They're asking because deep down, they want in. They want that hope and that peace and that thing that you have in their lives as well. So Peter is telling us be prepared for that. At any moment, that can come out of nowhere. Be prepared for that. So how do we respond in those moments when people come up to us and say, why? Why are things different? Well, there's a great story in John chapter 9 that can, can help us unpack that question a little bit. Now, Jesus is walking along with His disciples, minding His own business. And He sees a blind man. And His disciples have a question for him. John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? We still think this way, by the way. We still really think this way. We see hardships and we want to know why. 
Who's at fault for this stuff? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Whose fault is it? It's no one's fault. But Jesus says it's no one's fault. But, but here's the thing. Because of it, God wants to do something with it that's going to turn things upside down. God wants to, to do something in this man's life that's going to affect a whole lot of people. And so what does Jesus do? He spits on the ground, makes a mud pie, sticks it in this guy's eye, and heals him. We talk about like doing ministry like Jesus does. Don't start here, okay? Unless God tells you, spit on the ground. Don't start. Just pray for him. But Jesus doesn't do it. He, he does this thing. And I often wonder, why does he do this thing? Why doesn't he just... Everywhere else in the story, you see him. He lays hands on them. He just speaks to it. You know, see. In this case, he, he, he spits on the ground. He covers this guy's eyes with mud and tells him to go away and wash. Think about that for a moment. Go away and wash. So when the guy goes away and wash, who's not there when his eyesight comes back? Jesus. Jesus isn't there. And that causes an issue. Verse 8. After saying that, oh, I'm sorry, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself said, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. The man's neighbors see the change in his life. They notice something different about him. They, they want to know what happened. And we're the same way. When something dramatic happens in someone's life, when there's a change in someone's life, we want to know what happened. My son Ben came back from camp. And uh, it's been hilarious watching you all deal with him. Because... Ben went away to school last year, and he's only been here a couple of times uh, while he was away at school, and then he went to camp, and through all that time, he's done a lot of exercise, he's done a lot of manual labor, a lot of work, he's changed his diet a bit, and he's dropped an awful lot of weight. And so we were at the bonfire, he came home early on Friday, and we were at the bonfire, and, and people went up to him and like, what did you do? How did you lose all this weight? And they're like looking for the secret tip. And his tip is eat like a college student who has no money and uh, walk up this really tall hill at camp back and forth several times a day. You know, get your cardio and eat very little. But everybody wanted to know, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? See, we see changes in people's lives. We want to understand those changes. We go to them, what did you do to become like that? 
How did you change? What's the secret? I love how he responds. Verse 10 again. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go and uh, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Look, that, that's, that's what happened, right? Straight to the point, basic. He didn't quote scriptures. He didn't try to find, figure out theologically how it worked. He didn't try to explain it. He didn't even try to figure out the science of it. He just told a story. Jesus put mud in my eyes. He told me to go wash. I did. And now I can see. He simply shared his story. But sharing our story can make us incredibly uncomfortable. We have these ideas that it takes a certain skill set or that we need to have a better grasp of the Bible or of theology or apologetics or something like that. What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? How am I going to prove to them that you know, the Bible is accurate? But that's not what I mean when I say, share your story. Or, or we're afraid. I'm going to offend them. I'm going to force my beliefs on them. I'm going to be rude. That's not what I mean when I say, share your story. We're not forcing our story on anyone. Instead, we're simply responding to them. They want to know why. We're telling them why. Do we need to know all the answers why? No, we're just telling them why. The story of this man, this once blind man, is a great framework for us on how to share our story. His neighbors wanted to know what happened. How were your eyes opened? His life had been transformed by Jesus. And the people who knew him saw a difference. And they wanted to understand what happened. But his response is incredibly simple. First, he describes his life and what it was like before he met Jesus. I was blind. When we share our story, we start with what our life was like before Jesus. What was your life like before you met Him? Or, if you grew up in the church knowing all about Jesus, what was your life like before uh, you took God seriously? You took your, your walk with Him seriously. Your story begins with who you were. For me, I was seeking I was seeking something spiritual. I was curious. I grew up Roman Catholic and I was very involved in the church. But I saw there was no path there for me that made sense. But I, I was curious. I was curious. I was questioning. I was always involved. Always looking. I remember when I was in Catholic high school, I would always take non-Catholic classes because I figured there had to be something else out there. There had to be a different way, a different understanding. And I wanted to try to understand it. And I couldn't understand it. At the same time, I, I was just completely lost. My home life was a mess. I went away to school. 
met my uh, drug-dealing roommate and discovered what Thursday nights at college was really about. And that's where I was. That's where I was. I was curious. I knew there had to be more, but I just had very little hope. Because I didn't know where I was going. Now next, what does the blind man do? He describes how he met Jesus. He put mud in my eyes. When we share our story, we next describe what happened when we met Jesus. How did you become a follower of Jesus? Did you go through a particular tough time in your life uh, that led you to God? John has a great story like that. Did a friend invite you to a church service? Did a family member introduce you to Jesus? That's James and Brenda. Their stories are similar in that. In that yeah. Did an experience inspire you to get seriously about committing your life to Jesus? Tell your story. I started dating this girl. I met her at a Catholic retreat. We were getting serious. And um, on Labor Day, 1988, she, uh, there was some crazy teaching at her uncle's church that the world was coming to an end, and so she wanted to make sure that I was okay. And so she came and she explained who Jesus was and how I could actually have a relationship with and so I was sitting in a park in Gurney, Illinois, and I closed my eyes and said a prayer. And then that night, she mentioned something about the Holy Spirit and prayed for the Holy Spirit to come. And all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed. And I started boo-hooing and crying making funny noises. And uh, I had this vision. I was in a river, and it was deep. And I felt like I was about to drown. But Jesus was at the other end of the river, and He had His arms out, and He was calling me to walk towards Him. I walked towards Him. He kind of grabbed me and held me. And everything went upside down. Everything changed. I ended up marrying the girl. Seemed like the right thing to do. Now finally, he describes his life since he met Jesus. I was blind, but now I see. He doesn't try to explain it, explain how it happened. He just tells them what happened. That's all we're called to do. Just tell them what happened. What difference has following Jesus made in your life? How has knowing Him impacted how you walk through both the good times and the hard times? And that's important. When you tell your story, don't clean it up. Don't make it Sunday school safe. Tell the nasty stuff. Tell the hard stuff. Tell how this journey is not necessarily easy, because it's not. 
People will be more impacted when you're honest about the challenges that you face. That you continue to face as you choose to follow Jesus. Remember, these people are now a part of your life. They can see who you really are. And they can see if you're being a hypocrite. I'd love to tell you that I said a prayer and everything got better. And I never had another challenge for the next 30 plus years, 35 years, everything has gone smooth as glass. It hasn't. But there's a difference. There's a difference because of that prayer I made in the park in Gurney in 1988. There's a difference. Talk about how your life is different and how God is growing in you in certain areas. But make sure you're sincere about how it's a process. How you still often mess it up occasionally. I've been trying to live these principles out with friends of mine who don't know Jesus, and I've been doing it for years. So last spring, one of them looks at me and says, why does God allow bad things to happen? Because they're going through a very, very bad time. That's a tough question, isn't it? That's a question you all dread to fear. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Kind of looked at her and said, you know, to me, the question's not about why are bad things happening? The question is about is who is with me while bad things happen. I said, you ever hear Psalm 23, you know, the one at the funerals? She goes, oh, I hate that psalm. I said, yeah. I go, that's a really cool psalm. She goes, it's not supposed to be about funerals. Did you ever read that psalm? Though I walk through the valley of death, you are beside me. So as the bad things are happening, Who's beside me? Jesus is beside me. He's preparing a table for me. He's going to lead me to a place of peace. Streams of living water. Green grass. When the bad times are happening for me, my focus is on who's there with me. And I know He's with me. And if I lean on Him, if I focus on Him, if I walk with Him, I know He's going to lead me through this and get to the other side. I may not like being in the midst of it, but I know He's going to be with me when I get to the other side. And I said that, and she broke into tears. And she goes, I never thought about it that way. I said, yeah. She goes, you know, I'm paying a counselor like hundreds of dollars. And every time I leave, I feel depressed. But when I talk to you, you talk to me for like 30 seconds, and I just feel so at peace. And I go, well, that's not me. That's Jesus. That was a 30-second conversation in the middle of a soccer field while I was preparing to go ref a game. I didn't go there prepared. I had no books. I had no nothing. She asked me the question, and I said my most favorite prayer, Oh, God, help. Why can't it be something easy? You know? No one ever asks the easy stuff. Always be prepared to share your story. It doesn't sound like my story, but she knows my story. She knows a lot of my story. She knows she's known me for 15 years. She's known the difficulties and the troubles and the hardships we've gone through. And so she looks at me and she goes, How do you walk through this stuff? That's my story. That's my story. 
Rumor has it she watches the videos. I'm hoping she doesn't get mad at me for sharing this story. I'm trying to get her in here, but she's pretty sure that that the floor will rip open or something. But there was one video where she looked at you guys and said, wow, everyone looks kind of weird in a normal way. And I said, well, that's us. We're weird in a normal way. She goes, I wouldn't have to get dressed up. And I said, oh, clothes are nice. Beyond that, we're not picky. See, that's what it looks like when Peter says, be prepared to explain. Sharing our story isn't about beating people over the head with Jesus. It isn't about telling them they're going to hell. It's not even about trying to convince them. It's just simply telling them what happened to you. What happened to you? And you know what? That's the story people want to hear. They want to know what happened to you. They want to know what brought change in you. They may not agree with it, but they want to hear it. And it's a story that Jesus will use to advance His kingdom in your friends, that He'll use to advance His kingdom in your family, in your neighborhood, and around the world. All you got to do is just share our story. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome Your presence here. Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank You that over the last few weeks we've been praying for that, those three people, Lord, that we've had opportunities to listen to them. We've had opportunities, hopefully, to eat with them. Hopefully, to serve them. Um, and Lord, I just pray for opportunities to share with them. 